Well, good morning to those of you who have the punishment of having to listen to me for 15 or possibly 20 minutes if uh, it works out that way. And before we go any further this morning, I want to read you two um, things from the Bible which won't be on the, uh, on the screen. Other verses from the Bible will be, but as I've got a couple of extra minutes, I will just set the context for what follows by reading to you, first of all, the first two verses of Matthew chapter 2, which say this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men, if you like, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born? king of the Jews, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then two of the first few verses of John's gospel where we read in John 1 verses 4 and 5, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Great. Good morning to all of you, and a happy Twixtmas. It's a funny time of year, isn't it, when you're between one thing and the other, when you're between Christmas and the New Year. It's strange trying to plan for a Sunday service like this without the slightest idea who will come. How many sets of craft do we need for the children this morning? Normally we would have 40 or 50, I suppose. Well, we settled on 24 and I counted 23 children went through. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is when it's the other way around. But uh, welcome all of you who've made the effort this morning. Our title is A New Dawn has broken. Has it not? And I hope that as I talk to you for a few minutes that you will realize that there is one long day which dawned with the birth of Jesus and which is still going today. Of course there will in life be particular chapters which in effect are new days dawning. It's not unusual for a speaker to talk about New Year resolutions when you come to the last Sunday of the year. I don't want to uh, use that expression even once more, but if you do get that idea, if through God's Holy Spirit, for example, there is something from his word which he takes and applies to your heart and says, hey, Here's something which you can do in 2020 for me, or here's a way that you can be for me that you haven't been before. Well, so be it. I'll try and put that challenge right at the end. On Friday the 13th of this month, Boris Johnson welcomed a new dawn, as he called it, in British politics. He said, a new dawn has broken. His first public speech was in the former coal mining district of Sedgefield in the far northeast, where a new 
heir to Blair, accountant Paul Howell had won the parliamentary seat of the former Prime Minister of a different party. And for the first time in history in that constituency. There was significance though in the phrase which Boris Johnson had borrowed. It wasn't his originally because on May the, Seb May the 2nd, 1997, there had been a glorious early morning, a late morning spring. As the sun rose, a new party was celebrating a landslide election victory that brought them to government. <clears throat> the crowd hushed as the new Prime Minister, 43-year-old, as he was then, Tony Blair, rose to address them. He declared, a new dawn has broken. Then, as if he could scarcely believe the scale of his victory and was seeking some kind of reassurance, he added, has it not? There may have been the dawn of a new day in politics in 1997, but that day has obviously since come and gone. The once-loved political figure Tony Blair seems to be more loathed by people in his own party than generally in this country. And the feeling is reciprocated as Blair in October said he would struggle to vote for his party in a general election. And if you want some balance here, it's worth pointing out that John Major, who had been the previous Prime Minister that Tony Blair defeated in that election in 1997. He also suggested before the last election that people shouldn't vote for his party. Politics can sometimes be quite fickle and new dawns come and go and alone history makes the record of how things have gone and how true to their promises politicians have been. And I'm not here to talk about politics at all. What I'm about here to talk about is a new dawn in life. <clears throat> when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a new day certainly dawned, the like of which this world has never seen before or since. The child in the manger became the teacher and healer pursued by the masses. His popularity as he entered Jerusalem for the last time was quite amazing as an ecstatic crowd welcomed him. But like sometimes happens with politicians, that popularity quickly waned, in his case, in a matter of days. Because many of that same crowd would have been in a crowd calling for his crucifixion a week or so later, as he was rejected. And when the sun went down on the rugged hillside at Golgotha, with Christ dying on a cross, it wasn't the end of the day that had dawned so promisingly at Jerusalem, uh, sorry, at Bethlehem. And when he spoke those last words, 
I am, uh, it is finished. He wasn't saying, I am finished. What he was saying is that the work of providing a way back to God has now been finished. He gave his life as a substitute for you and me. Most of us, all of us indeed, had gone at one time and another our own way. We'd sought to set rules for ourselves, not God's rules for our lives, and yet failed even to keep to our own rules, how much more to God's rules. But God was providing a way back into his presence, a way of receiving again the eternal nature of life, the eternal life into our own personalities and beings that God had always purposed. He wasn't finished. Only the work that he came to earth to do had been finished. In many ways, another work was just beginning. It was a work of telling people about Jesus. That what he had achieved through his death at Calvary. <clears throat> and it continues today. He came to be the saviour of the world. And through his death, eternal life comes to you and me. That invitation is still there for you and me today. Maybe, maybe some of us have not really taken seriously that God's own son lived a perfect life, died on a cross, that our sins might be forgiven, that a new life might begin inside here, an eternal life that will never end. And when this mortal coil is wound up, that life is spent in the presence of God for all of eternity. The day which dawned at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago has still not ended. Isaiah predicted that as he wrote in Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now there had been an expectation in the Middle East over very many years that something special was going to happen at around the time of Christ's birth. All sorts of uh, things had added to that. There was an interesting combination in those days of astronomer and astrologer where people not only observed very carefully what happened in the heavens, in the stars and the planets and so on, but also attributing reason to it 
And that is something which is very, in many ways is a very dangerous practice and one spoken against in the word of God. I personally have always had issues with astrology. I think I've never looked at the newspaper to see what the stars predict for me for tomorrow. And I hope that we look elsewhere for that prediction. God holds the key of all unknown. If any other held the key, or even if he trusted it to me, I might be sad. But there had been an expectation through observation that something special was going to happen, that a new world ruler would be revealed. And the sense of expectation began to build up with the visit of Halley's Comet in 12 BC. That comes around regularly, but in 12 BC, people didn't realize that the comet visited regularly every, whatever it is, 76 years or something. That was only worked out by Mr. Halley himself in the 1700s. No one was aware at that time. The Romans saw it as a, as a portent and the Marcus Vespanius, Vespasius Agrippa, the right-hand man of Emperor Augustus, died at that time. <clears throat> and Halley's Comet looked as though it came from the east and it stopped over Rome for several days at the time of his death. And then there was a second phenomenon as... Um, the two largest planets of the solar system, Saturn and Jupiter, came very close together as observed from Earth, three times in a matter of five or six months. And uh, I'm no astronomer, and of course much less astrologer. They call it a triple conjunction. It happened over the border of 7 and 6 BC. But this raised expectation in the peoples of the Middle East that some new world ruler was about to come to the stage. And then after that, the brightest star in the sky, Sirius, moved low across the sky, which gave it a special prominence and also a twinkling in different colours as well. And people thought that something special was on the horizon. And there were other unusual happenings as well, a supernova, other comets, and the star of Bethlehem, as we refer to it, was probably, in fact, a comet. And that's the most likely explanation, because it is perhaps the, the one phenomenon in the sky where you can see something over a month or two move from one position to another, and then appear to stop in one place, giving identification to a geographical spot. And uh, no, um, no other than the quarterly journal of the Royal Astronomical Society here in Britain, the fourth quarter in 1991, provides that explanation for the star of Bethlehem. But whether that star was some... Um, miraculous appearing or whether it was some phenomenon that was in the right place at the right time 
is neither here nor there. What's important is the expectation which had built up. And while Augustus Caesar was being pronounced the saviour of the world, Jesus was born in a stable in the most inauspicious of surroundings. The birth of Jesus was never meant to be a private happening for the national family of Jews. Of course it was something for the world. But not surprisingly, when you turn to the Bible, you will see more said about and more expectation about the revealing of Jesus as the Christ than perhaps uh, to the other nations of the Middle East. Micah had indicated in his prophecy, chapter 5 and verse 2, that Bethlehem would be the very place where the Messiah would be born. It's there in our Bibles to see. And Daniel had predicted that from the, um, the permission being given to go and rebuild Jerusalem by those who had been taken into captivity until the time when the Messiah would not just be revealed but be put to death would be a period of 69 weeks of years, if you like, 69 multiplied by 7, 483 years. And so it proved. Of course, you have to work out how long Messiah would live before he was put to death in order to be able, from that prophecy, to predict his year of birth. So it was not meant to be exact, but it was meant to create a climate of expectation. And what I'm saying is that there was generally that climate of expectation when Jesus was revealed. When a new dawn broke, is that not so? In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Before becoming a Christian... A person is not just in darkness, but is even a source of darkness to others. On the other hand, a Christian is not just now someone living in the light that God has brought into their life, but is someone who is a source of that light to others. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Wise men followed the light that brought them to Jesus. Wise men still do. Wise women still do. Wise children still do. Am I a part of the transformation from darkness to light that God purposed? Are you part of that transformation? A new dawn has broken, has it not?